I want to start here. The first reason why we should not be ashamed is because the message of Christianity, the gospel message, is true. It's true. We should not be ashamed of the things that we say, the things that we believe, the things that we live out, because the things we teach and do are true. Read with me in Romans 1. We know that in verse 16, he says, I'm, I'm not ashamed of the gospel. That's that praise. Not I'm not ashamed of the gospel, for it's the power of God for salvation to everyone who believes, the Jew first and also the Greek. But look at verse 18. The wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. There's a truth that must be lived out, a truth that must be submitted to, a truth that must be followed, and some don't. They ignore, suppress, rebel against. They don't live out the truth, and that's a problem. Go to verse 25. He says, actually starting in verse 24, God gave them up in their lust of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the, the creature rather than the creator, the one who's blessed forever. Amen. So a similar thing. There's an opportunity to know and live out the truth, and they gave that up. They made a trade. They turned in the truth and, and embraced something that was a lie and lived that and, and followed that and was going to lead to their downfall. One more verse. Romans 2, verse 8. Romans 2, verse 8. He says, There are those who are self-seeking and do not obey the truth, but they obey unrighteousness, and so there will be wrath and fury. So think through this with me. Some of the things that have been uh, shared in Romans 1 and Romans 2. Here's, here's the, the basics, the most basic ideas of what we should know and believe and recognize as true. It starts with this. There is a God. God is. God is alive. God is real. God is powerful. God is all-knowing. There is a God. That's what it starts with. And that's what Romans 1 is about. That's part of the, that's the major thing that they've suppressed. They've ex they've remove the consciousness and the concept of, of God from their minds. They're living as if there's not a God in heaven and that they are the God of their own world. And that's not true. There is a God. And not only is there a God, but the next thing to recognize is that there's this God who cares about us and cares about his creation. And he cares about what we do. It's not just that there's this God who made everything like, you know, the old image is a, a clockmaker, like God made a clock, wound it up, set it down on the counter there, and then just walked off to do other things, leaving his creation behind, not concerned about it. That's not the God of Scripture. The God of Scripture made us and then cares about us and is not far from us and wants to know about us, wants us to know him. He cares about what we do. He cares about the way we worship him. He cares about these things. He cares about how we act. He cares about how we treat each other. And then so much of that in Romans 1 is, and this may sound strange to those of us who just think we get to make all of our own decisions, he does care about the way we approach him in worship. It matters to him. And so, because there is a God, 
And because he does care about how we act and how we speak, he cares about what we do. What we know is that from this infinite God, we know there is a right and there is a wrong. We know there is the truth and there are lies. We should not be ashamed of our faith because it's true. Now, this is a major reason why we're not ashamed because specifically we'll say it this way. Not only is there a God in heaven who made all things, but we'll say this, the story of Jesus is true. The story of Jesus is true. Look here in Romans 1, starting at verse 1. He says, Paul, a servant of Christ Jesus, called to be an apostle, listen to this, set apart for the gospel of God. I've been set aside, my new mission in life, my purpose in life is to share the gospel with the world. And here's what God did, which he promised beforehand through his prophets in the Holy Scriptures concerning his son who was descended from David according to the flesh. So it was predicted by prophets long ago that the Christ would come through the family of David. And then lo and behold, in the first century, as we, as we mark the calendar, there he was. Jesus Christ, Galatians chapter 4, verse 4, at the perfect time in human history, born of a woman, a descendant of David. It says he was descended from David according to the flesh. And verse 4 says he was declared to be the son of God in power according to the spirit of holiness by his resurrection from the dead, Jesus Christ our Lord, through whom we have received grace and apostleship to bring about the obedience of faith for the sake of his name among all the nations. Jesus really did. He really was born in Bethlehem. He really did get executed like we spoke of this morning in Jerusalem. He really did rise the third day, that first day of the week, conquering death. He really did ascend to the right hand of the Father and intercedes for us even now. We'll talk about that more in just a moment. But I want you to go over to 1 Corinthians 15, another passage that emphasizes the same truth. 1 Corinthians 15, starting at verse 1, we'll go into a, a portion of the Scripture that was read uh, for our Lord's Supper thoughts this morning. 1 Corinthians 15, 1, Now I would remind you, brothers, of the Gospel. Here's the good news that I preach to you, which you received and in which you stand, and by which you're being saved. If you hold fast to the word which I preached to you, unless you believed in vain. Verse three, for I delivered to you as of first importance what I also received, that Christ died for our sins in accordance with the scriptures. It was predicted by the prophets. That he was buried and that he was raised on the third day in accordance with the scriptures. It was predicted by the prophets that the one that, that the Lord sent, that the Christ would not be left in Sheol to die. His body wouldn't rot. He'd be dead and then raised from the grave by the power of God. It was predicted and then done in the first century. What we see here is this story of Jesus, the prediction of what would happen with Jesus. This is historical information. This is true. And so now, because Jesus conquered death, because Jesus continues to live, that's the reason why we can be excited and we can have hope and we can have joy in any and every circumstance. Look at Romans chapter 8, verse 31. Romans 8, 31. So much of what is good about us, so much of what is exciting about being a Christian centers around this gospel message, this good news message that Jesus conquered the grave. Romans 8, 31. What then shall we say to these things? If God is for us, who can be against us? What could we possibly have to be ashamed of if Almighty God Himself stands with us? 
nothing. You keep going down to verse 34. Who is to condemn? Christ Jesus is the one who died. And more than that, it's Christ Jesus who's the one who was raised and who's at the right hand of God, who indeed is interceding for us. Because Jesus conquered death and lives, I have hope. Because Jesus, what the Bible tells me, what the Bible assures us of, is that Jesus even now intercedes for us. So don't be ashamed. Don't be ashamed of skeptical ridicule. Don't be ashamed of those in ivory towers who say mocking things about Christianity. You should not be ashamed of your faith because this message is true. It's true. The way I, I think about it is I've been taught by those before me. I think about my grandfather saying it this way, and I've said it to you a hundred times. I hope that you remember it. If God exists, and if the Bible's His inspired word, then whatever the Bible teaches, I know it's true. It's true. And so we don't have anything to be ashamed of. This message is the message from God to man. It's the true information that He wanted us to have for all times to be changed. Don't be ashamed. It's true. Secondly, we shouldn't be ashamed of our faith because it's centered on someone who loves us. Don't be ashamed of your faith because not only is it true, but it's centered on someone who loves us. Go to Romans chapter 1, look at verse 7. Romans 1, 7, he says, To all those in Rome who are loved by God and called to be saints, might as well say, to all those in Glasgow, all those in Barron County who are loved by God. He says, grace to you and peace from God our Father, the Lord Jesus Christ. And then we keep going. Chapter 5, verse 8, one of the greatest statements of all time about the love of God for us. Romans 5, 8. God shows His love for us and that while we were still sinners, Christ died for us. Then you go over to chapter 8, 835, another incredible statement about the love of God for us. Romans 8, starting at 35. Who shall separate us from the love of Christ? I think you already know the answer, but listen to this description. Shall tribulation or distress, persecution or famine or nakedness or danger or sword, there's terrible things that happen in this world. People do terrible things. There's storms, there's sicknesses. Can any of these kinds of things separate us from God? Can any of these things separate us from the love of Christ? Can any of these things separate us from the love of Christ? The answer is no. Listen. For your sake, we're being killed all the day long. We're regarded as sheep to be slaughtered. No, in all these things, we are more than conquerors through him who loved us. For I'm sure that neither death, nor life, nor angels, nor rulers, nor things present, nor things to come, nor powers, nor height, nor depth, nor anything else in all creation will be able to separate us from the love of God in Christ Jesus our Lord. It is indescribably great. It is beyond my ability to convey to you, because you know being loved by someone and loving someone that is special. And it says here in these passages, He loves us. And He's not ashamed to be associated with us. 
The only problem would be, the only issue would be, was if we were ashamed to be associated with Him. Because He's going to continue to love us. He's going to continue to be there for us. He's going to continue to be close at hand. The question is, will we continue to be there? Will we walk away? Will we be ashamed? He says in a place like Luke chapter 9 at verse 26, Luke 9, 26, whoever is ashamed of me and my words, of him will the Son of Man be ashamed when he comes in his glory and the glory of the Father and of holy angels. We should not be ashamed of him. And we shouldn't be ashamed of his church, the people that are associated with him and loving him and, and following him. Look at, look at Romans chapter 1. Go back to Romans 1. I love this statement from, uh, from Paul here as he's talking about the, the faith and the reputation of the church in Rome. Romans 1, beginning at verse 8. First, I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you. He says, you church, you people in Rome, you brothers and sisters of mine, the sisters in Christ, brothers in Christ there in Rome. I thank my God through Jesus Christ for all of you because your faith is proclaimed in all the world. Lots of people have heard about you. The things you're doing, the things that you're going through, the faith you're displaying is being known by other people in other places. For God is my witness whom I serve with my spirit in the gospel of his son, that without ceasing, I mention you always in my prayers, asking that somehow by God's will, I may now at last succeed in coming to you. Paul wanted them to know he was not ashamed of them. He was not ashamed to be identified with them, to, to have people know that, that he was of the same body as them. And he couldn't wait to be with them, to be around them, to encourage them, for them to encourage him. And so we should be the same kind of way. We should not be ashamed of our faith because there's one who loves us. And in turn, we should not be ashamed of our faith because there are other people who love Jesus as well. So don't be ashamed to, to tell people that you're connected to Jesus. Don't be ashamed to tell people that, that you belong to a body of believers who, who worship Him and follow Him. That can be daunting sometimes. But we need to be those who are on the lookout for other people who yet don't yet know about the love of Jesus. Don't be ashamed to tell people about Jesus. Don't be ashamed to tell people about His church. Because as it says in Ephesians 5.25, Jesus loves the church and we're to love one another the way he loves the church so we should love the church we should love our spouses we should love the lord don't be ashamed because there's one who loves us perfectly no need to be ashamed because what we what we believe this is true don't be ashamed because what we believe and what we give ourselves to is is about one who loves us in a way that no one else can love us but thirdly and finally not only is this message true, not only is this message from someone who loves us, but we should not be ashamed of our faith because this faith is good. Now I say that, and maybe many of you are like, I've heard that my whole life, been a Christian for decades, I know that's not a surprise. But I'm here to tell you that this is the fight today in this culture. The fight is not, is Christianity true? The fight is not about, does Jesus love people? Everybody knows the song, Jesus loves me. The fight is, is Christianity good? Here's what I mean. One of the major attacks 
is not, is Christianity true? It's, is Christianity good? I've told this story to others just recently, but I want to tell it to all of you uh, right here, right now. One of my professors uh, in school said one time, just very recently, he had gone into a big place, large audience, and presented an apologetic message, right? Jesus rose from the grave, and we can prove it. Here's the historical information that demonstrates the truth that Jesus died on a cross and also rose from the grave. So when the service was over, when the presentation was over, you know, this huge crowd, this young lady, said she was either in her uh, late high school years or early college years. This young lady comes up to him and she says, look, I believe what you said. I believe the historical information demonstrates that Jesus rose from the grave. I believe your, your presentation was true and correct. She said, but I can't be associated with Christianity because I'm bisexual and I cannot be a part of something that won't allow me to be who I want to be. So it may be true, but it's not good and I won't have a part of it. And she walked out. Look at Romans chapter 1. Romans 1, starting at verse 17. We're going to read a long passage here. But this is where the fight is. Romans 1, 17. For in it the righteousness of God is revealed from faith to faith, as it's written, the righteous shall live by faith. For the wrath of God is revealed from heaven against all ungodliness and unrighteousness of men, who by their unrighteousness suppress the truth. For what can be known about God is plain to them, because God has shown it to them. For his invisible attributes, namely his eternal power and divine nature, have been clearly perceived ever since the creation of the world in the things that have been made. So they're without excuse. For although they knew God, they didn't honor him as God or give thanks to him, but they became futile in their thinking, and their foolish hearts were darkened. Claiming to be wise, they became fools and exchanged the glory of the immortal God for images resembling mortal man and birds and animals and creeping things. Therefore God gave them up in the lusts of their hearts to impurity, to the dishonoring of their bodies among themselves, because they exchanged the truth about God for a lie and worshiped and served the creature rather than the creator, who's blessed forever. Amen. For this reason, God gave them up to dishonorable passions. For their women exchanged natural relations for those that are contrary to nature. And likewise, men gave up natural relations with women and were consumed with passion for one another. Men committing shameless acts with men and receiving in themselves the due penalty for their error. And since they did not see fit to acknowledge God, God gave them up to a debased mind to do what ought not to be done. They were filled with all manner of unrighteousness, evil, covetousness, malice. They're full of envy, murder, strife, deceit, maliciousness. They're gossips, slanderers, haters of God, insolent, haughty, boastful, inventors of evil, disobedient to parents, foolish, faithless, heartless, ruthless. Though they know God's righteous decree that those who practice such things deserve to die, they not only do them, but give approval to those who practice them. I'm reminded of what the Old Testament prophets would say. Because you see here, one of the things that's been mentioned in Romans 1 is that an exchange has been made. God has said clearly, this is who I am, and this is what I expect. And he says here in Romans 1, they've said, nope, 
we'll give you your truth and we'll live out, here's the modern phrase, we'll live out our truth. In Isaiah chapter 5 at verse 20, the Bible says, Woe to those who call evil good and good evil. Woe to those who put darkness for light and light for darkness, who put bitter for sweet and sweet for bitter. Woe to those who are wise in their own eyes and shrewd in their own sight. Jeremiah chapter 6 at verse 15. Were they ashamed when they committed abomination? No, they were not ashamed at all. They didn't know how to blush. Therefore, they shall fall among those who fall. At the time that I punish them, they shall be overthrown, says the Lord. See, these, these sentiments from Isaiah and Jeremiah are the exact same ideas and concepts and principles taught here in Romans chapter 1. The Lord says, this is the way of purity. The Lord says, this is the way of truth. The Lord says, this is the way of righteousness. And then the world comes along and says, that's not good. I don't want to, anything to do with that. And so therefore I won't be. Just recently, I saw uh, a quote from an award ceremony. Uh, you may have heard of the actress Jamie Lee Curtis. She's been around a long time, fairly famous actress. And she was given an award just recently and this was a quote from her acceptance speech. I pray that the homophobia and transphobia that is being championed in the name of religion by the right, listen to this, here's what she wants to happen to religion. I pray that it's exposed and silenced as wrong by the love of humanity that is the center of our gay and trans community. She said, I want religion to be exposed and silenced as wrong. What she means there is that it's not good, that it doesn't help people, it doesn't demonstrate love. And so she spoke against it and was applauded for it. Now, if we're hateful, if we're, if we're unkind, if we're unloving, then clearly that's to be condemned. But we can't be ashamed to live the life that the Lord has called us to. We can't be ashamed to lead a life that is based upon the truth of God's word, on the one who loves us, and the one who's given us a life that will lead to our best, our flourishing, our good. So don't be ashamed to live the life that the Lord has called us to. As I said before, this is the life, the life that the Lord calls us to here in Romans 1, the life of faith, the life of, of living for the one who made us. This is the only life that leads to eternity. Other lives might, might be uh, fleetingly fulfilling in the moment, but there's only one life that truly fills and leads to eternity with the Lord, and that's the one that's in submission to Jesus the Christ. So don't be ashamed to kindly and lovingly, gently and humbly teach and live the truth. There's so many reasons not to be ashamed of the gospel. It's true. It's from Jesus who loves us, and it's good and leads to our flourishing. Don't be ashamed. If you're feeling pressure to give in, to walk away, talk to someone, rally with someone who will love you and support you and be kind to you, because this is what Jesus calls us to. 
Don't be ashamed of Him, and He won't be ashamed of you. If there's any kind of way that we can encourage you or help you this night to stand up and not be ashamed of the truth of the Gospel, well, then we want, we want to help. We're imperfect. We're, we're sinners, but we're saved by grace and want you to be that as well. If you named, need to name Jesus as the Son of God, your Savior, repent of your sins, be washed in the blood of Jesus the Christ and be raised in the power of the resurrection, then we can help with that as well. Let's be submissive to Jesus and not be ashamed of his life while together we stand and sing. I hear